about three years ago, uh, just a little over three years ago, we uh, in in uh, cooperation with us and CSM. Y'all, y'all know that we're kind of the housing overseeing church for CSM, <clears throat> and uh, we were able, we were fortunate enough to assist some folks to begin a work in New Braunfels, Texas. Um, we thought originally that this was just going to be a home group or a couple of home groups that started out. I think the first time they got together, they had 35 people. And, and so we, we began to help them out. And for several years, they were a part of our 501c3. They were under the umbrella of Abundant Life Church. And your second meeting that you gathered, how many? 150 people showed up for the second meeting. They still don't know where they all came from. Uh, and so we, it was owned. It was, it was, uh, and so for a, a good while, we, we assisted and helped, uh, best we could to, to help these folks. And so ultimately they have, they got their own 501c3, kicked us to the curb. <laughs> Seriously, these are good folks. And, uh, uh, and so we've enjoyed the fellowship over the last several years. And continue to, and of course at the conference we always have good fellowship because they always come to that. And then one time when I was down at Faith Mission, uh, on one of my visits, I stopped by and, and, uh, Rolanda, I can't get used to saying that. Rolanda had something to do, but, uh, Gerard and I had lunch and so we just enjoyed good fellowship. And so we had been talking for some time about them coming to visit and I said, I got a good idea. When you get done with Gatlinburg, don't go home. Just come back to Mount Juliet. So here we are. Uh, the church is Faith Alive Church in New Braunfels, Texas. And, uh, that's on Facebook. It's all, there's also, is there a webpage? Yeah. Yeah, there's also a webpage that you can probably find on the Facebook page. But I've asked Gerard to come today and to, uh, give us the word, um, and give us the word of God. But let me answer you. Go ahead and stand up, Rolanda. So everybody can see you. She has to stand up twice, just like my wife. <laughs> Beautiful bride. And they've been married 30 years. They don't even look 30 years old, do they? So let me present the man of God to you, Pastor Gerard Montenegro. Come, brother. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. And, uh, we are so blessed and honored to be here. Um, we never, I never uh, take for granted uh, the podium. And uh, I know how precious that is. And I know how um, God honors that position. And, um, and so uh, I'm just very grateful and thankful for your pastors, uh, Larry and Ann. You guys are amazing. I know y'all already know that we don't get to experience that every week, but they've been so hospitable to us and, uh, they've, they put us in, yeah, the best of, uh, accommodations and just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for, uh, from, uh, I, I actually, uh, bring greetings from Faith Alive Church and, uh, we consider ALC to be an extension of our church family. Um, we are eternally grateful for what you guys have done for us. Um, without you guys, we couldn't have done it. Um, cause like Larry said, we were, 
we gathered together at a prayer meeting and uh it was 35 of us and then all of a sudden we we had um we were uh blessed with a facility for one week and that facility held about 200 and so I don't know if people just started talking or if people just said, let's go do this. But uh, the next thing you know, we had 150 people in a church and we weren't even official at that point. And so <laughs> praise God. Praise God. It's the hand of God. Um, uh, we I can't say we were expecting it because we weren't. We are were just too big for a house. You know, we were 35, you know, uh, the house wasn't very big that we were meeting in and uh, and it grew and it grew. And one of the things that um, the Lord has always put in my heart is Psalms 127, unless the Lord build the house, they who labor, they labor in vain. And um, and I, I decided in my heart that uh, once this becomes a labor, we're not doing it anymore. Once it becomes a natural labor, once once everybody's looking to me for answers, we're not doing it anymore. And uh, we we have a, a laid back style of ministry and we see our church not as an organization, but we see our church as a family. And we got each other's back. Amen. Amen. So I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Coming into the house of the Lord is a joy, should be a joyful time. Amen. And, uh, we, we have a saying that we say, and, and, uh, it's not original with us. Uh, it's original from a, uh, one of our pastors that we grew up under, Pastor Tim Gilligan in Ocala, Florida. And we say church days affect the rest of your days. You know, it's just something about going to church in an age where church has almost been a side thing. People forget that it's the days that you go to church that affect the rest of your days. It's the fellowship that you have one to another that affects the rest of your days. Um, I, I'm, I would consider myself a pretty practical pastor and teacher. Um, and so I, I use the word of God a lot. Because it's the word that changes lives. It's not my crafty sermons that I put together because a lot of them aren't crafty. It is not, you know, it's the word of God that touches the heart and it changes your life. And that's why we encourage people to spend time in the word. If you do anything else, spend time in the word. In other words, spend time with Jesus because the word of God says that he is the word of God. And the word of God is him. And in him we live and we move and we have our being. So if you're not spending time with God and you're just checking in and out of church, I bet you your life's not being changed. And so we're pretty practical on the word of God. And uh, one of the things that attracted me, um, I'm from New York and I live in Texas. Don't ask me how that happened. <laughs> But I didn't question God. I didn't ask him anything. Uh, and I, I just showed up and, and bought me a pair of cowboy boots. You know, <laughs> Pastor Stephen is trying to get me to buy the hat and I won't do it. <laughs> I, I stopped in the shop on on the way when, when we were 
when they were leaving, we had talked about that, and I stopped in the shop, and I put on a cowboy hat, and I said, this is for you, Pastor Steven. I said, nope, I didn't buy it, though, you know. But, uh, you know, it's the Word of God that changed my life. I didn't grow up in church, but I attended a church that preached the Word, and the Word got in me. I, I can tell you this, we, my wife and I, my beautiful wife, Rolanda, um, she, she's a pastor's kid. Pray for her. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because we, we, we have kids now and I don't really see them as pastor's kids. It's like, oh wait, I'm a pastor. <laughs> that means you're a pastor's kid. It means like, I, I gotta treat you special now, you know? <laughs> cause you need a little bit of extra cause mom and dad aren't always there for you. It's just the truth. You know, uh, anyway, that's a whole nother service and a whole nother subject. But, um, we try to be there as much as we can for our kids. And, but we've taught them early on and that, uh, the Lord dealt with me. Um, I grew up in a, in a place, um, where rap music or hip hop music was, it was king and it was growing and it was being created at the time. And, and, uh, and, uh, I mean, I just like I I wanted to be a rap artist. I wanted to be a rap producer, and uh, I went to school for recording engineering. And I wanted to, I, that that was my desire for my life, but God had a different desire. And uh, and when I met my wife, uh, my brother-in-law always says he says you've been touched by an angel. <laughs> when I met my wife, um. She introduced me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when she introduced me to the Lord Jesus Christ, my life was changed forever. I tried to continue to be a recording artist and a producer and, and a, an engineer and almost moved to Nashville. But that wasn't in the plan. Um, but anyway, um, I tried to be it. And the Lord wouldn't, he wouldn't release that to me. He wouldn't open up the door. He opens doors and he closes doors. Be thankful for those doors that he closes. Amen. And so he closed the door to the music industry. And he, 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 he tested me in this. He said, cause I, I said, okay, well, I'm just going to live in Florida and I'm going to buy a bunch of recording equipment and I'm just going to record out of my house. And I did. I saved up money. Bought me some recording equipment. And you know what he did? He said, I want you to put that recording gear on the altar. One day I came home from church and he said, I want you to, I want you to sew that recording gear. Every piece of it. And I want you to lay it down until I tell you to pick it back up. Wow. That was a lot of savings and a lot of recording equipment and a lot of love that I had for the art of recording. And, um, but I did it not soon after the Lord said, I called you to pastor. That was 1997. I didn't become an official pastor until 2007. Guess what I did those 10 years? I learned. <laughs> From the school of hard knocks. We were 17 when we had our first child. And the Lord said, I want you to take care of your family. 
I grew up really quick. <laughs> but you know what? I don't miss it. I don't miss it because I'm doing what God's called me to do. You know, I love it still. It's still in my heart. I love it, but I don't miss it. Amen. God has been faithful to us. And um, when we launched uh, Faith Alive Church, uh, first of all, I want to say this. God's put this on my heart lately. And, and if you know me, which you're getting to know me. But anyway, I, I got a brown thumb. I got a brown thumb. And the Lord put it on my heart. He said, I want you to plant a garden. Really? I kill every plant that ever comes in my house. You want me to plant a garden? It's like, I'm going to teach you something through planting a garden. And as I planted this garden, I had help. My help comes from a lady named Frances in Central Texas and God. And um, as I planted, the Lord said, I'm going to teach you some things. So he's teaching me some things right now. And the first thing that he taught me was... When you plant a garden, the first week is critical. When you take those plants out of the pot and put them in your garden, the first weeks are critical. And I bought I bought this set up and I planted my plants and Miss Frances came over. She had all this stuff. I'm like. What do you got all this stuff for? She had all these sticks and and I don't even know what they're called, but they were just cages and containers. And she had every plant, you know, she she knew what every plant needed. And so when when, when she came, I thought about you guys. I thought about my ALC family because she had these sticks that's, that would stabilize the plants and help them to grow. And I thought. That's exactly what ALC did for Faith Alive Church. We were planted in a new place. And you guys stabilized us till we could walk on our own two feet. And I appreciate that. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for everything that you guys have done for us. And uh, life is a journey. And I'm very thankful that we have people like your pastors that have gone uh, ahead of us and have 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 they they've paved the way for new ministers to come through and and we're only three years old i think this church is 30 years old or 35 years old we got a long way to go amen amen but that's enough about me i just wanted to tell you a little bit about me before we get into the word the lord has given me a word for you today and i believe that it's it's a word a, a, a word in due season for me and for you and for the church. Amen. Um, so let's go into prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your church family. I thank you for this opportunity to speak to your people, Lord. Father, I ask that you would think through my mind and that you would speak through my vocal cords the words that you would have for your people today. Father, we thank you. For the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who's our helper, who's our comforter, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would speak to the hearts of your people way beyond the words that come out of my mouth, Lord. 
Touch their hearts, Lord. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. And do you guys use the New Living Translation here? We use everything they make. All right. Yes, I love this. It's become my favorite translation. If you haven't read it, uh, get, get a copy of it. And, and it's just it's a, a great translation. Anyway, 1 Corinthians seven thirty-five in the New Living Translation, it says, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. To serve the Lord, to do whatever you need to do, to do whatever it takes to serve the Lord without distractions. We live in a world today that is full of distractions. We are way distracted. How awesome would it be if we could be able to serve the Lord without distractions? How easy would it be for us to focus and keep our eyes stayed upon him if there was no distractions? In this day and age in which we live, we are constantly being bombarded with distractions that take our attention away from our service to the Lord. There's a battle that's raging right now. And it's for your attention. There's a battle that's raging. We have a enemy of our soul. Listen, we are created spirit, soul, and body. Our soulish realm is our mind, our will, and our emotions. There's a battle that's raging to distract us in our soulish realm, in our mind, our will, and our emotions. What we think about, what we feel, what we learn, we are a distracted generation. And it's distracting us away from the most important thing. And that's Jesus Christ. The one who came, who died and rose again so that we could have life. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 warns us to be sober or be alert, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I love this scripture or I love this passage of scripture because I always emphasize seeing whom he may devour. He's roaming about seeing whom he may devour. You know what that tells me? That tells me I rejoice at that scripture right there because that tells me he can't devour everyone. He's seeking whom's going to be open to be devoured, open to be destroyed. That gives us hope. That gives us hope. That gives us hope that, listen, 
I don't have to be another statistic. I can overcome by the blood and the word of my testimony. Seeking whom he may devour. I got a saying that I wake up in the morning, most mornings and say, not today, devil. (laughs) Not today. You know, you get that feeling like something's about to happen or something's happening currently. It's like, you know, I cut that right off at the path. Not today, devil. We got shirts. We got t-shirts. We ordered them off of Amazon. You can order everything off of Amazon. They'll bring it to you even on Sunday. Anyway, amen. <laughs> for, for those who are working on patience, you know, it's like, I'll get it to you tomorrow. You know, but we got t-shirts that say, not today, devil. I wear it all over New Braunfels. Not today, devil. Amen. We have the power over the enemy. The enemy has nothing in us or on us. Amen. We are the righteousness of Christ Jesus, of God in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness in him. You know what that means? We have right standings with him. And that there's nothing that the enemy can. Listen, the enemy works on thoughts and suggestions. He works in that soulish realm. If he can get you thinking wrong, he can eat your lunch. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. If we're not alert to the devil's desires, devices, and distractions, they'll destroy us. We are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Being that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices, we can overcome his devices because we have knowledge. Amen. Imagine how awesome life would be if Adam and Eve didn't allow themselves to be distracted. I always think about that. I think, man, they had it made. They had it made. You know, Adam really sinned. Eve was distracted. (laughs) Well, let me say this. Adam was probably distracted by Eve. (laughs) I'm like, what is wrong with you? He would have either saved her or got you another one. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Some kind of way, he would have continued to make it paradise. But they both got distracted. They wanted more greed. Does that sound like the day that we live in? People were distracted by so many things. Money, power, work, greed, religion. Pastors. You're like, whoa, wait. Aren't you a pastor? Yeah, they're distracted by pastors because they want pastors to do the work for them. So they're distracted. Isn't that what you're supposed to do, pastor? No. What are we doing next, pastor? Brother Charles is such an awesome man of God. And he, oh man, is this being recorded? 
<laughs> okay, well, y'all know Pastor, y'all know Brother Charles. <laughs> uh, he said, when people ask you, what are we going to do next? He said, you say, what are you going to do next? <laughs> Amen. Because our job as pastors is, are, is, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I'm a saint too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a saint. I, I, I do the work of the ministry. But my job is to equip the people to do the work of the ministry as well. Amen. I better stay on track or we'll be missing lunch. <laughs> to distract means to draw apart. To pull in a different direction and separate. Hence to divide. To separate. Hence to throw into confusion. To shift our attention from something of greater importance to something that's lesser of importance. According to a study done by Microsoft, the average human being in year 2000 had an average attention span of 12 seconds. 12 seconds. They did the same study again in year 2013 and the average attention span dropped to eight seconds. Let me give you a reference point to what that is. The average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. A goldfish has one more second of attention span than we as humans have. Isn't that, a, isn't that incredible? That just blows me away. How do we drop from 12 to 8? And that was in 2013. That was in 2013. I wonder where we are now. We may still be at eight. I doubt it. There are many things that can distract us from serving God. You know, that's what we're created to do, right? Serve God. So if we're distracted from anything, it's serving God. If God's people are distracted, if they're pulled away, if they're divided from anything, don't you think that that's the enemy's tactic to get you divided? To get you distracted from what you're really called to do, to be, and to function in? The advancements in technology and media have been one of the greatest contributors to the decrease in our attention span. You know, technology can be both the greatest blessing and the biggest curse. It can. You know, um, are, are we... You know, are we saying that technology is why, you know, oh, we can't just blame technology 
as the reason why we're so distracted. Oh, Jesus didn't have to deal with this. Jesus had to deal with other things. But if we see technology alone as our sole problem, then we have a problem because technology is going to keep going. It's going to keep expanding. It's going to keep growing. It's going to keep. I mean, I hate to see what my grandkids have to deal with. We never had to deal with social media when we were growing up. My kids were right there on the edge of social media. My grandkids, I don't, I, I, we're going to, we're going to fill them and fill them and fill them with the word of God. So the pressure on the inside of them that's coming out with the word of God is so strong that the pressure coming in from the outside doesn't even affect it. Amen. That's our, that's what we are called to do as parents. By the way, I'm going to be a big papa in November. <laughs> My wife's going to be Mimi. It's our first grandchild, but we, I mean, we already got it's and it's going to be a girl and so we already have her first bible her first shoes like that was one of the things my wife said we gotta have shoes she gotta have shoes all right anyway technology <laughs> technology as you know we, we we're so dependent on technology we become so dependent on technology that most of us uh, you know, we go into a complete panic if we can't find our phones. I say we because I'm including myself in that. Just the other day, I'm, I get in the car and and I'm like, my wife's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, oh, I was just making sure I got my phone. It's like, this message is going to go over real well. You know, but we all fight the same battle. We're distracted. You know, I got to have my phone, you know, got to have my phone, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our connections to each other have been reduced to social media status and updates. Our lives have become more and more isolated. Isolated. Does that sound like the enemy? Isolation. Proverbs 18 and one in the New King James says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against wise judgment. A lot of times we don't have wise judgment because number one, we're selfish. And number two, <laughs> we're distracted. We're distracted. I, 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 um, one of the things that, because um, I do a lot of thinking. As a pastor, you have to do a lot of thinking because <laughs> they want a fresh message the next week. You know, and so I do a lot of thinking. And I thought, where did we get so isolated with technology? How many of you had an, an iPod? No, probably 50% of us had an iPod. Well, the iPod was the first created piece of technology that you could put together your own playlist. You didn't have to wait for it to come on the radio. You can put it together on a hard drive with headphones on it. 
and you could listen to whatever you wanted to listen to whenever you wanted to listen to it. I thought, how much more isolated can you get? You put a set of headphones on and now you see it all over the place. Now you see it all the time. Kids walking around with headphones on and you're like, hey, I'm talking to you. Take those headphones off. They're isolated and they don't even know it. They just believe I'm just experiencing my world. They're isolated. Uh, We had a lock in a youth lock in. And um, and it was a it was it was great. How many kids were there? Twenty eight, thirty kids. You know, anytime you can minister to over one child, you're you're doing awesome. <laughs> Nowadays, you know, but uh, we had a lock in, and one of the things that we don't allow them to do is be on their phones. We'll allow them to bring it, but we don't allow them to be on their phones. We'll say, put your phone under your under your seat, you know, while we're here. And so well, this one girl, uh, she's a precious, sweet girl, but she couldn't, she couldn't put, put that phone away. You know, she was distracted. And so one of our, one of our, uh, team leaders, um, took her phone. And oh my goodness, World War Eight, you know, took her phone and, uh, they eventually gave it back to her and they said, how, how did you feel when I took your phone? She said, I felt like you took my best friend. She said, I felt like you took part of my life and I wasn't comfortable with you having part of my life in your hand. That's where we are, people. Now, that just didn't happen overnight. That just didn't happen with one generation. That happened one generation after the next generation, after the next generation, after the next generation, passing down distraction, allowing it to happen. It's just the world we live in. I'm not exempt from this. I did the same thing with with my kids. Distractions. I remember one time we were blessed and fortunate enough to go on a cruise and you know, on a cruise ship, well, when we went on the cruise ship, you know, there was no such, well, it was like $8 a, a millisecond to have like your phone to work. So I was like, we're not doing that, you know? And so we were out at sea for a week. My phone didn't work. Do you know for the first two days I carried my phone in my hand? It was a seven day cruise for two days. I looked at it. I put it away. I checked my email, which wasn't even online. Like I didn't even have, it wasn't even powered. The second day I go, this is ridiculous. I'm putting this thing down. And my wife will tell you, I had the best time ever. It was stress-free. We got back to the port. We're four hours away from the port. We got back to the port. And I said, I ain't turning my phone on until we get home. (laughs) Remember that? I drove back. I don't care. I don't care. Because that was my time to focus on God. It was my time to focus on my wife and, and, and have a good time. Amen.
Hmm. Media and uh, Facebook. You verse. You know. <laughs> it's okay. That happened at that that happened to one of our pastors at the conference. She couldn't get it off. We are all diving across the aisle, reaching and, and hitting, turn it off, turn it off. Nobody can turn it off. It's just something about you verse in church. It's like when it starts speaking, it's speaking. Anyway, Facebook. Uh, you know, media, social media, you know, so, I mean, I don't, I don't have the, the most friends in here probably. I know, uh, Jim probably has a lot more, more fans than I do, but uh, <laughs> I went to go be Jim's fan and they go, you can't do that. <laughs> so that's okay. I'm his real friend. Like, <laughs> I'm his real friend, like, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I looked at my Facebook and I have 1150 friends or something like that. And I, one day the Lord told me, he said, he said, listen, he said, you know, uh, you probably know more than 1150 people. He said, but are you really their friend? And here's what he told me. He said, we don't. You don't have the capacity for the ups and downs of every single one of those 1,100 people that you have as friends. And so when you're scrolling, what you're doing is filling your capacity with the ups and downs of everyone on Facebook. Emotionally. Emotionally. You're filling your capacity. So-and-so got a new car. Ooh, look at that car. So-and-so just got a divorce. Ah, man, I'm going to be praying for them. So-and-so just had a baby. Yes. By the time you close out that app, you are exhausted. Why? Because you tried to take on. Listen, you don't do that on a daily basis. At most. The, the average person probably talks to maybe if that 200 people a week, maybe you don't have the capacity. Technology's moving faster than we have the capacity to receive and it's distracting. It takes us off the focus. Amen. <clears throat> It's a problem. But let me tell you this. Your problem is not your problem. I'm going to say that again. Your problem is not your problem. Because with every problem, there's a solution in the word of God. Your problem is not your problem. Look here. Your problem is your focus. Your problem is your focus. So when you're distracted, you enlarge your problem. You make your problem sometimes bigger than your God. And when we make our problem bigger than our God, 
then we have a problem with focus. You have a problem with focus. What are you focused on? Are you focused on the bigness of your God? Or are you focused on the bigness of your problem? We have the ability to wake up and rejoice. Or we have the ability to wake up sorrowful. What do you choose? We all got problems. We all got issues. We all got things that we can Bring up every morning and we can make ourselves joyful or depressed. We have the ability to do that. The Bible says that we have the power of life and death right here in our mouth. What are we speaking? What are we focused on? What are you speaking about your life? Tom Cruise, he's a. Not one of my favorite uh, <laughs> actors, but uh, there's a movie called um, Samur- uh, The Last Samurai. How many of y'all seen The Last Samurai? One of my favorite parts of The Last Sa- Samurai was, you know, Tom Cruise was this, he was a uh, American soldier in the 1800s and um, who ends up at this Japanese, uh, as a Japanese POW. You know, but he becomes one of them. And in the midst of him becoming one of them, he's trying to learn how to sword fight. And uh, one of the warriors in, in the camp, they're sword fighting and he's just eating his lunch, eating his lunch. Tom Cruise is distracted and just all just bewildered because he's an American. And this Japanese samurai warrior is eating his lunch. And finally... One of his mentors, one of the one of one of the guys that was training him uh, in the art of samurai fighting, he he steps in because he's like, I had enough of this. <laughs> he's beating you down. I'm going to save you out of this. And he looks in and he interrupts the battle and he says, you have too many minds. Too many minds, too many minds. He said, you mind the sword. You mind your opponents. You mind the people watching. He said, no mind. And he didn't say, I want you to have an empty mind. What he was really saying is, I want you to focus. I want you to settle down and settle in long enough to focus. And throughout the throughout the movie, you see him because it didn't work at first you know he was like okay okay too many minds and then he continued to eat his lunch and they all laughed at him and they go ha but over time he recognized now i can see it now i know what he means i need to stop being so distracted and i need to focus amen I don't know if that movie's rated R, so I'm not going to suggest you watch that. But anyway, um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 3. And this is going to be in the NIV. It says, therefore, 
Since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. The New King James translation says the author and the finisher of our faith. We are to fix our eyes on him. Amen. Hmm. It says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. This is for us now. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus came as our example. He's saying he endured the cross and he went through everything he went through so we could enjoy our life. So we could have an example of what it means to have a focused life. Amen. Jesus was not only sent to be our savior, but he was sent to be a living example of how we should live. Jesus lived a focused life. He never allowed the distractions of this world to hinder him from accomplishing his purpose. There were words prophesied 700 years before his death. Can you believe that? 700 years before his death, there were words prophesied for our coming savior. Isaiah 50, verse 6 and 7 in the New King James I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame or spitting for the Lord will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know I will not be ashamed. Jesus prophesied. 700 years before he even went to the cross. He said, I've set my face like flint. Flint is a hardcore stone. When it engages with steel, it causes a spark. It's so hard. Jesus said, I've set my face like flint. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 in the New King James Version. Says, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to receive up. That he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus knew what he was called to do. Jesus did not allow the enemy to distract him in any way. Even going to the cross, even dying a painful death. He said, I've set my face like Flint. I know where I'm from. I know where I'm going. And I will not be distracted. Amen. Y'all getting anything out of this? This is good stuff right here. I'm not saying good stuff because. 
Because I wrote it. I'm saying good stuff because it's in the Word. Amen. And I have the Holy Spirit in me that guides me to write. Thank you, Lord. Jesus definitely had many opportunities to be distracted. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 23. I know I'm coming at you quick with these scriptures, but you can go back and read them throughout the week. If you're taking notes, you know, it's a good thing to take notes. It says from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised by the third day. Then Peter, (laughs) he's just a character. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I can't even fathom that. You took Jesus to the side and you began to rebuke him. I'm going to leave that one right there. Peter was a very interesting man of God. And we began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Peter didn't understand. Peter didn't understand that it was it was the purpose of Jesus. The purpose that Jesus was here was to go to the cross and he had his face set like flint to go through with it. And Peter was like, no way, man, I'm not letting that happen to you. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. What he was really saying was, get behind me. You're a distraction. You're a distraction to what I'm called to do. You're a distraction to where I'm called to go. Get behind me. Hmm. Peter was one that Jesus loved closest one of the closest ones to him and he didn't understand satan's fiery arrows of distraction are designed to alter your thinking you have an enemy of your soul hmm You know, distractions aren't always, they don't always come as bad things. Sometimes distractions are disguised uh, right below the surface of things that seem to be good. We always say, you know, there's good ideas and then there's God ideas. Just because they're good ideas doesn't necessarily mean that God called you to do it. Amen. I'm going to begin my descent and closing. You know, we had a couple closings in Texas. So you're on the first phase right now of closing. 
Distractions don't always come from bad things or in the form of bad things. We look at uh, this passage of scripture found in Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. And you find us in the New King James. It says, now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Y'all know this story? And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone Therefore, tell her to help me. Here we got Peter taking Jesus and telling him stuff, you know. Here you got, you got Martha here trying to manipulate Jesus into telling Mary something. See, there's a cast of characters out there that walk with Jesus. So we have hope. <laughs> we have much hope. Oh, you're trying to manipulate Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary had an understanding. Mary had a revelation. Of when I'm in the presence of Jesus, there is nothing else more important. I will not be distracted by this world system and the things of this world because they are temporal. They are temporary. Mary has chosen the right thing. So what's our solution to living in a distracted world? Our solution is the same solution that Jesus spoke to his disciples about. Keeping our eyes fixed on him. That's where the action is. It's not original with me. I found that in the message Bible. Rise above. Look above to those things. That's where the action is. That's where the happenings are. You want to see things change in your life? Keep your eyes stayed upon him. Some people wake up in the morning and go, I can't afford to spend time in the presence of God like you. You're a pastor. Listen, we got we got work just like you got work. I can't afford not to be in the presence of God. Because I get some things that come across my desk that I, deep in my heart, I'm like, whoa. On the outside, I'm saying, man, I don't know what you're going to do. On the inside, say, but I know the one who does know what you're going to do. I know the one who can deliver you out of this in the same or quicker than you got into this. Amen. Amen. Focus, focus, refocus. You know, I, I turned 47 on May 8th this month. 
And uh, thank you, sir. I didn't really have anything to do with that. God and my parents had everything to do with that. But uh, I did my best getting here. And, uh, you know, it's something. I never thought I would say this, but, like, I had to change Bibles. This is my favorite Bible, by the way. But I had to change Bibles. And I had to change Bibles because I started looking. I go, man, it just started getting blurry right up close here. And I just thought, what? The focus was off. And I was like, no, this can't be happening. And I've been avoiding going to, to the eye doctor. <laughs> when we get back, I got to go to the eye doctor because I want to see. I want my focus to be right on. I want to be able to read the word without distraction. Some of you know age is a distraction. It is. I'm fighting it. My my dad's my dad's uh how old is my dad? Seventy seven years old. And he, he he has trouble walking a little bit and he has a walker. And so I help him back and forth to church and wherever they go, I pretty much help him. And um and he said, Son, if you can help it, don't get old. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm trying not to help it, Dad. But um anyway. Mary chose the right thing. She put Jesus first. It's so simple. You know, we've become experts at making this thing complex with all our scriptures and our wheel within the wheels and white horses and all that kind of stuff. I'm not making light of that or not. I believe in all that. But at some point, we got to get practical so we can understand all that. Amen. Amen. This is practical. Where's your focus? Do you feel dismayed? Do you feel out of place? Do you feel like things aren't going right for you? Do you feel like you're, you're, you're under pressure? Focus. Focus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. He has all the answers that you need. The word of God says that we have everything that pertains to life and godliness living on the inside of us. You need an answer? It's on the inside. Seek him first. First thing you do, don't roll over and grab your phone and check your emails and check your text messages and check your missed calls. Pick up the word of God. Pick up the word of God. Amen? I'm going to close with a story. Do you mind? Thank you guys for being patient and pulling. Chesley Burnett Sullenberger, the third retired airline captain who on January 15th, 2009 landed a U.S. Airways flight number 1549 in the Hudson River off of Manhattan after both engines were disabled by a flock of birds and all 155 people aboard survived. They made a movie out of it. They call it Sully. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's amazing. I love it. Um, There's a there's a part in that movie where 
they're interviewing him. And the interviewer goes, when asked, what do you feel when people call you a hero? His response was, I don't feel like a hero at all. I was just a man doing my job. Flashing back into a moment of time during his training because he's interviewing and he's thinking, he's like, you know, she's asking him how long he's been a pilot. And and he said, practically all my life. And so he begins to think about the past. And he thinks about a moment in time where him and his flight instructor, they were getting out of the plane. They had just finished flying. His flight instructor goes, okay, I want you to take it up, a solo flight. And he was a kid back then, and he goes, whoa. And here's what the flight instructor said to him. He said, a pilot never stops acquiring knowledge. He said, yeah, you'll make mistakes, but learn from them. Everyone makes mistakes. Those who are smart, they learn from them. He said, never forget, no matter what happens, Fly the plane. Whatever happens. Fly the plane. We can translate that into spiritual things. Are we perfect? No. We're going to make mistakes. The best thing we can do when we make mistakes is learn from them. But no matter what happens, fly the plane. Fly the plane. Don't let the distractions of this world confuse you and put you in a place where you forget how to fly the plane. Sully landed the plane because he had training. Part of his training was to stay focused. God has given us his word. God has given us the word of God for us to stay focused on. And I say to you today, no matter what happens, fly the plane. Amen. Thank you guys for your time.